What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. I am Matt Browse of Pohada Photography, and this time around I'm talking with Lindsay Williams, an MMA fighter, a BJJ brown belt, and an army soldier. Before we jump in, just a quick shout-out to a few sponsors of the episode. As I've mentioned before, www.axon-movement.com. He's a BJJ buddy of ours, and he works with special situations where not only are you not maybe finding your way to your fitness goals, but you got some pain and dysfunction that's holding you back from it. Check him out at axon-movement.com. His socials are at axon underscore MVMT. Tell him I sent you. Second is blackbeltwoodcraft.com. He's a friend of ours, maybe some of our instructors in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's Zach Jeffrey, and he's doing a lot of really cool handcrafted woodwork. So check him out at blackbeltwoodcraft.com. His socials are at blackbeltwoodcraft. And without further ado, my conversation with my buddy Polly, of course, with Lindsay Williams. It's interesting how much um, podcasts have really blown up, and I, I can appreciate that you're uh, that you've got you know a set format. You're trying it like it's kind of loosey goosey, but at the same time, you understand consistency being like essential, and you put in the effort. Um, cause there have been times where someone's like, Hey, I was thinking of starting a podcast. What do you think? I'm like, don't do it. But I've also been, um, partially involved with a radio show for a long time, which nice. does involve a lot of production and pre-planning. And there's a lot of fingers in that pie because it's, you know, uh, a military effort and, and all of those things. But yeah, for, for a low key thing, I, I like it. I dig it. There's also a, a phrase that's like podcast fade. Mm. which I'm trying to resist, which is where suddenly they miss a week, which I've done. Mm. <laughs> and then they post another one. And then they post like a, we'll be back soon. And then they come back after a few months and then there's a couple and then it just sort of fades and then they stop posting. It's funny. Cause I'll look at like, I try and expand my horizons, but there's really only a handful of podcasts I listen to regularly, let alone at all. And I'll search like, the app I use for something or one that I want to get, but I can't get it through my podcast or whatever. And there are so many that come up and it's like, Oh yeah. Last post two years ago, three years ago, or really just like eight episodes. I'm like, right. This is why I tell people like, don't no, do yeah. just don't bother. Yeah. Cause you're not, you're not going to do it. The, yeah. I, I mean, there seems to be a shift more and more to where they'll do seasons or like a specific sort of expose on a topic. So it's like a 12 part series. Like on Netflix, you know, they do that same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a continuing show, but we covered this topic for two seasons of 10 episodes. That's different. And there's some where you're like, all right, they advertised the next episode on this last one and there was never a next episode. Mm-hmm. They just stopped. That's how I felt about Guy Ritchie's movie Rock and Rolla. They left it all open for another one. And there hasn't been another one. That's one of my favorite. Is it? That's one of my favorite Guy Ritchie's. Is it? I don't know that I've even heard of that one, but I've seen very few Guy Ritchie movies, which is a shame. I understand. Yeah. it Well, and it's got, you know, Jared Butler and Idris Elba and Tom Hardy kind of right before all of them really blew up. 
mm-hmm. um which that's why is they didn't come back to make another one yeah <laughs> they've been busy making millions yeah yeah but that's a very fun one i'd like to see it circled back too it's the same thing with the show deadwood i've never watched that show yeah. but i've heard it was awesome good things and then they just like i remember hearing something like it was too expensive like so what bro advertise better i don't know yeah. It was an awesome show. And so then like 10 years later, they come back and did like a movie to like close the storyline out, which was okay, actually. My instinct was like, oh, it's not going to be, this is going to suck. But it was all right. But They did a movie? Yeah, Deadwood. It came out last year or early pandemic year or something like that. It was like an HBO release, you know, it was an HBO show. But. Oh, see, I didn't know there was a Deadwood movie and a Deadwood show. Well, that, that's the thing is there was all this fan demand because it, it stopped abruptly after season three, like after they really ramped up a lot of plot lines, you know, mm. and then it was just done like 2016 or whatever, hmm. 2006, maybe. Yeah, 2006. It definitely wasn't 2016. <laughs> uh, so then there was all that fan demand and it's like that we're all nostalgic for previous stuff. They finally figured it would be worth it to come back around and close the plot line, but they did it with a movie. It was pretty good. It actually had the same vibe as the show. A lot of times when you come back, you're like, this feels like a whole different thing. It's not. Right. You know, but it was pretty good. Nice. Lindsay, you're a real fighter. Meaning (laughs) you punch people and do takedowns and like MMA fighter. And you also do pajama wrestling. I love pajama wrestling. Um, But you're also like a real, real fighter too, right? Well, and... When people say, hey, how's the fighting going, which I get a lot of people I haven't seen in a while, I really did um, have to kind of, I've always had the competing interests of my military career and my MMA career. And over the last couple of years, kind of around circa 2020, <laughs> um, I had to really pick one. And so the military won out for a whole laundry list of reasons. But I do get nostalgic for, for fighting, but... Um, yeah, it was a huge part of my life for so many years and still is. And a lot of that training actually has and continues to serve me well with, with the things I pursue. So, yeah. Because you just got back from, what do you call it, like combatives? So this was the combatives master trainer course. Um, it So the Army has what it calls the Modern Army Combatives Program, which feels less modern nowadays because um, it really got revamped. And the program we use today kind of had its foundation from back in the 90s, really. And it's undergone some changes, and it's continually evolving, just as every martial art is. Um, and, of course, as the general public, uh, be them good guys or bad guys, gets more knowledgeable on martial arts, we should also be doing so. So, um, yeah, that course is a month long at Fort Benning, and it was a really good time. It was very interesting to compare and contrast the training that I'd had in the past as a civilian with what I have been learning in the military and what we went through in the course. Can you give me like the full like hierarchy, like combatives one, combatives two, whatever. And then there's like master's level trainers courses like how high up are we talking for this one in the scale of things? Yeah. So it's broken down into it's recently changed. So as it stands currently, um, you have your BCC, your um, basic combat combatives, your TCC, your technical combat. I'm getting redundant. That's not right. Um, but your BCC, your TCC, 
in your combatives master trainer course. I think there's a technical combatives course in sure. your basic combatives course. Um, and so there used to be two courses at Fort Benning to become a level four certified. It was levels one, two, three, and four. Now there's just basically three levels. And your basic combatives course involves some very simple things like basic chokes, basic body positions, um, very basic takedowns, and that's kind of it. When you get to the next level, uh, tactical, that's where we start implementing some of these strikes when we have our weapons and our kit. So we're doing muzzle thumps, we're, we're working our techniques with our gear on and seeing how we can apply them, like say if we do uh, a tactical lane where we're, we're clearing a room and then all of a sudden a bad guy grabs your muzzle. How do you react? So things like that. And the combatives master trainer course is not only to hone and solidify your skills with all of the, um, oh yeah, basic would involve striking too. And then you'll use that in the sure. ta um, tactical course, but to hone and solidify your skills, but also understand how to teach others how to use them as well. Tell me what a muzzle thump is. Okay, so muzzle thump, you have your rifle, right? You, you got it slung, and someone's right in front of you, and they're a little closer than they need to be, or they're approaching you, and you want to get them to stop. So rather than using like a teep kick or anything like that, you just take the barrel of your weapon and bam, drive it right into, it could be a sternum, it could be their face, whatever. Yeah. Whatever's going to get the job done in the moment. Yeah, muzzle thump. kind of what I would have guessed, but I wanted to hear it because it sounded awesome. Yeah, that's a fun thing to say, too. <laughs> muzzle thump. <laughs> it's like muzzle tough. Uh, so you just finished the third level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's the top level now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're the best. I'm the best. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was a, it was a good course. I actually didn't realize until maybe a week before I left that, oh, maybe COVID would restrict me from going because I had emailed one of the instructors about uh, just a question about the packing list. And he answered my question in a reply email, but also said, yes, but if you're TDY, temporary duty, so coming from an outside station to Fort Benning, then you can't come to the course. And I was like, wait a second, no way. And so I talked with my people here, and they talked with the people there, and I've been all vaccinated, so they said it's a go. So that worked out great. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What's the point of it if it doesn't get you back to doing stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm still on muzzle thump. That's <laughs> what I, was I was just going to say that. Yeah. Um, you did the level one and level two when? So, or the previous trainings of these, when did you do those? Yeah, so I did the previous levels back in 2011 and 12 on my first tour over in Kuwait. So it was really interesting because even on our first day there, they asked who went through combat. It was like a long time ago. And when you've gone over, you know, 10 years ago, it, things are different and things have changed and been modified a little bit, not just less so in the manuals, but in the way things are taught and performed. So there was a lot of nuance to that. But again, having been keeping up with martial arts training in that time frame, it definitely helped, very much helped, because we had instructors who 
well, our main instructor, I should say, he was pretty knowledgeable himself, a jujitsu brown belt, and um, he was able to bridge the gap, I think more so between the folks who say, this isn't anything like how we would do it in jujitsu, or this seems weird because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yes, however, it's like that because we're not just playing in our pajamas. Yeah. Bullets and stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes, bullets and you know wearing uh, a mm-hmm. combat vest with with all this stuff on it. You know, all our kit and right. carrying rounds and having a weapon in hand. All of those things. So changes the game for sure. Um, do you think you were kind of ahead, having been off training martial arts and stuff? Absolutely. Sort of a dumb question. I guess no. what I want to say is you were probably ahead. Yeah. You know, going into this than maybe some other people would have been. Absolutely. So there were 20 people in the course. And I would say it was, you know, we had one guy who's in the Texas National Guard. Um, he owns a couple of schools. Jeff Messina. There's probably someone out there who knows his name. I don't probably, know. Yeah. But he's been a jujitsu and judo black belt practicing for 20 plus years. Terrifying. And he was in my course, which was super cool. And then there was another big ranger guy, Captain America, as we <laughs> ca- everyone referred to him. Um, he was a brown belt, and then myself, another brown belt. But um, one of the guys in my group, because we were kind of grouped by size, he was a blue belt, and there was another young LT who was a purple belt. But other than that, most people didn't train regularly or have much of a martial arts background. They were, you know guys who worked on Fort Benning doing other gigs or they were just interested in, you know, trying to bring the program to their unit so they could be certified and train others. So, yeah, I definitely um, was in the upper echelon as far as knowledge, which was great. It was fun. How much actual, uh, like, sparring do you do in, in something like that? We actually did quite a bit. So the first week of the course, we're mostly reviewing our striking techniques. And when we went to implement it, we did a lot of Dutch style sparring. So just combo for combo, back and forth, working our skills, working our techniques. Um, Because there were five main combos we had to learn, a couple of kicks we had to learn. And so we would do our warm-ups and drills and then a gauntlet of that. um, And just rounds and rounds and rounds. And then, uh, so that was kind of the first week. And then into the next week, too, we also did that because we had a little bit of a sort of tournament. So within our weight class groups, um, we would actually do a mock tournament. So we actually did kind of compete against each other. And it was funny because the outcomes of the fights, because the it gets progressively more intense. So if you're doing like a basic combatives tournament, the rules are different from like a, the next level and the next level. So you start with just grappling. The next you introduce open-handed slaps. And then the final one, you can introduce punches. We didn't actually, for the sake of it being a four-week course, do a lot of the punching because I think they introduced small gloves for a traditional tournament. Um, but we did still, we would go in the cage and we'd fight. And I think I had the, maybe the second quickest submission, but I didn't quite do the top one, which plays into the, 
who gets honor grad. So it's pretty interesting. No kidding. No kidding. Like how you actually did in the fights, it sort of helps your grade, and oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. What'd you get for a submission? It was armbar. I had a lot of armbars in that course, like when we rolled. Why? Um, I think just because uh, a lot of the guys didn't quite understand having the arm discipline, and and I mean me being smaller and understanding where to position myself it was just something I could do. Yeah. yeah. It does. Uh, certainly no expert on this topic, but I'm still in a position where I find myself trying to shove people away mm-hmm. in offering up a straight arm on a regular basis. And then anybody knows what to do with that is just going to take it. Yeah. That's why my elbow's a little sore. Today, <laughs> actually, <laughs> it, It's not intuitive right away and it takes a lot of time and yes. repetitions for those things to be intuitive, especially the understanding how to work with people of different sizes. Cause I was the second smallest person in the class and I mean, there were plenty of big, strong people who think, okay, well, maybe if I just push. But if you understand, you know, where to position yourself or right. that they only have these finite ways that they can push or move, well, then you know, all right, well, if they move this way, I move that way. And if they do do that push, then I there's my opportunity. But again, time and figuring those things out. Super frustrating. Mm-hmm. When I shove you, you should go flying. That should be the end of it. Damn it. I know movies. I've seen movies. That's the bench presser mentality. I know. <laughs> it's like I got three tools and none of them work in this room, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a story I want to tell you relating to you training Army combatives and also training sort of relating to this and also you know, being an MMA fighter doing a lot of jiu-jitsu. Okay. So a gym that you and I go to which sort of humorously I'm not going to mention by name for this, received a reply on a Facebook ad. When, when, if you look at ads that like a picture or a video that some company pushes off their Facebook page as an ad, you look into the replies, people tag friends. One who replies to that stuff. I, I would never, but if you look at any of them for any company, it's always just tagging my buddy Bill. He'd like this soap, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and the guy that was tagged responded to the tag. So his buddy tagged him and he responded something like, These fools don't want nothing to do with me. Because it was a video of people doing jujitsu. And then he put his own post. Separate from that reply, something like, uh, "How to when and where? How do I try this?" or something like that. And then there was another reply to his buddy relating to his army combatives training. <laughs> and uh, one of them I ended up deleting, and then I just banned him because I help with the social media stuff for this mm-hmm. gym. Because it had kind of a threatening tone to it. Yeah. Let's not let's not get into that. So just ban, gone. Mm-hmm. And then I got a text message from the manager, said Jim, that said, hey, did somebody post something sort of threatening or whatever on that ad? And so I went back, pulled it up, sent him the name. He's like, oh, yeah, he called in. He's coming in. Oh. <laughs> Which is the first... 
laughable moment of it because generally internet troll tough guy doesn't turn into anything that's Mm -hmm. because it's safe at home behind your computer you know Mm -hmm. that's why road rage is a thing because i can be angry and yell at you without getting slapped in the mouth you know we're both in our own cars right so (laughs) to which i replied do should like some of us bring an extra magazine or two just Uh in case like what's happening you know uh but he showed up and did like a try the free class kind of deal uh and did it like respectively you know it wasn't he set aside the internet bro tough guy stuff you know and mm-hmm. but there was a moment where a certain instructor at said gym leaned to uh a drilling partner that i was warming up with and said uh do you see the the new guy over there and he's like yeah and he goes when we do our live goes at the end of class Make sure you're with him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it worked out really good. And your boy almost threw up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I even said to, you know, headmaster Sifu instructor guy, I was like, hats off to him for showing up, you know, talked tough or whatever, but like actually showing up. Yeah. And he shook his hand, said, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow and never came back. But uh, I, I made a point of chatting with him a little bit and... Uh, he, he, as he was huffing and puffing, which is a language I know, you know, no, yeah. no disrespect. For me, you know? <laughs> There's a reason I was right. sitting out talking to him, you know, yeah. uh, but he's like, Oh my God, I'm out of shape. Mm. And that's actually one of the things that made me, cause I've got a few other buddies that had some army combatives experience and that made me curious about this conversation. Right. I also just thought that was hilarious <laughs> to be internet troll guy and to actually show up. What do you got there, Pauline? This is my favorite. I just found this uh, the other day. Don't let your confrontational internet personality get your ass beat in real life. <laughs> For sure. Words of wisdom. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's that's it's funny because we had many a schoolhouse conversation about how as a training program, modern army combatives should be more regularly used and it should be more regularly implemented in units across the force. However, there had been a time, and I'm sure a lot of it came with just people being jacked up and wanting to be the toughest guy in the room, where certain installations might have, you know, a schoolhouse or a fight house, and the method of training just became hey, who's the toughest guy who can go through getting their ass beat? And that's, it's been counterproductive, especially in terms of trying to keep the program going because there may have been so many people who went through the crappy end of, you know, the the training and now they're decision makers and they're like, screw this program. No, I'm going to cut all the funding for it or I don't want to get behind it. Um but that does happen. And if you come from, hey, we just went at each other to see who the toughest guy in the room was, well, then I think I'm the toughest guy here. Right. And if that's the metric, then I'm going to do my best to meet that metric. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't translate when you start adding more techniques and more skills yeah. and, and change the game a little bit and introduce different training partners. Well, and that's kind of what I was curious about with this guy. Like, clearly, he was just out of shape, you know, mm-hmm. which again. <laughs> Me too, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, what year he did it in would make a huge difference. Because like if you did jujitsu 
eight years ago for a year and came back now, you'd probably be bumping into a lot of information, a lot of perspective that didn't seem familiar, you know, because everything changes and gets so much better, so much more efficient. Yes. And things do change. Warfare has changed. Martial arts have evolved. And what's what's crazy, too, is with Army Doctrine, you can actually only change like a published manual. There's by certain percentage, by certain amount of time. So you have to be very judicious with what changes you make and how they're made. So you could do them kind of in the schoolhouse, sure. But when it comes to actual doctrine changes, it's so minute. And that's why and where having people continually train in something and having the training be more regularly implemented would be so much more beneficial because then people will have it with them and have it in their back pocket when they need it or you know commanders could use it and keep their their joes trained up on it um but that's kind of it's grown grown very near and dear to me (laughs) you know so i'd really like to see see more of that i'm trying to get out there and be the change i want to see in the army yeah yeah is it sort of the same thing with with the the fitness standards at every other level because i know crossfit now has an influence in in the training programs and i've i'm loosely working with a gal who uh is trying to meet the various standards like mm-hmm. the push up push the hands up push up put you know and all these types of things so i've got her on kind of a regiment but it like just changed again recently it keeps changing and what's what's so is f- that different than than like the combatives thing where mm-hmm. it can kind of just more regularly evolve um so the story of the new combat fitness test is I have my own qualms with it. I don't hate it overall for what it's trying to do. It will have, over time, I think the effect it needs and wants to have on the force. However, the implementation has not been great. Um, I think the adoption of a new fitness test standard as a whole is different from changing like the manual for the Army Combatives Program. Sure, sure. Um, However, there are different manuals that have to do with the combat fitness test and and there are manuals for um you know physical fitness training and and so i I think those probably follow kind of the same guidelines as to how they're updated but those can you tell me your beef with the fitness yeah um so my beef with the fitness test is mostly how much of a logistical nightmare it is Uh we also, I mean, when it first came out, I was like, the standards and the test itself just came from someone who has a hard on for CrossFit. Okay, got it. But you can create something that measures these metrics and is more applicable, you know, versus just your standard push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run. I get it. We can modify that. But we could have looked towards someone like the Marines who have been doing this for many, many years. They have a physical fitness test, which is just something like their their pull-ups, their run, and crunches. Uh, but they also have their combat fitness test. So they do these different physical fitness tests each year. Um, and they have standards for each. We're just picking one test, which is fine. But in order to do that one test, you need trap bar yeah. and all the weights involved. Yeah. You need 
kettlebells and a ball to throw all those things yeah Yeah. Uh, you need a sled yeah when she laid out what she needed to train for i was like are you serious like what a production this test must be and just kind of the way my brain goes i'm like who's funding this like how many people you got to proctor this test like you You need so many people and it's not only is it gonna have to change that and it's a ridiculous amount of money i'm like who are we would we get a new contract with rogue it's awful and it's so you have to shell out all the money and as a reserve component being national guard national guard and reserve components those units are going to get things either last or they'll get boned having to try and figure it out because think how spread out all the armories are so you might have two locations in the entire state that have acft equipment and if you if you're in a state like Texas, even if there's like three places in the National Guard, granted they have, you know, active duty facilities, but still, it's it's crazy to think. And it's another layer of logistics to deal with. Logistics, and travel, and whatever. You'll also have to modify some administrative rules because t- generally it's been um, the rule that if you're getting ready to go to a particular school. Or, uh, like, if I were getting ready to go to, you know, my next primary military education school, I would have to have a fitness test current within 30 days. So I just need to go take a PT test. Well, now you're not going to find, you'd need a whole full-time staff at a particular unit to administer this test, and you're not going to do that for just one person. So what are the rules on that? How is that guidance going to change? I have so many questions and not enough answers. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, and, and I, like, I think, I think I, for whatever I know about it, I agree. Like, yeah, let's, let's get a little more comprehensive and a little more diverse in the testing. But something about running sit-ups, push-ups, and pull-ups is very efficient. Mm-hmm. I need a little space, like a yard. And you need to bring your body. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of equipment. Maybe a stopwatch, you yeah. know. But yeah, if you look at you know the the higher level CrossFit, like the Granite Games or whatever, that's a production. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a reason they got you know dozens and dozens of people working to run that because it's a production. They need all kinds of crap. So yeah, to see that list, I was just like, are you a trap bar? Like that makes a lot of sense compared to a straight bar for most people, but also trap bar, like yeah. Did your average anytime fitness have that for you to use, you know, and, you know, when you're right. off training on your own time and stuff, like it was very, uh, yeah. discouraging, I guess, in a way there. And you know, everyone's trying to be helpful and we have ways you can train, like fill some milk jugs with sand, fill a duffel with sand and do X, Y, and Z. And like, I get it, but there are a lot of people who live far away from like, we got people in rural places mm-hmm. in the reserve components and, and, uh, it's so it's just, it's frustrating, but I don't know. I could I could go on and on. <laughs> it just I, I and even now it's going under I don't know if it's still under congressional review. And a lot of the congressional review was based on um w- when they were doing a trial period and they were looking at uh the results from the trial, m- pretty much all of the people who uh they got the the information from they were were um active duty soldiers so of course you have to get up and do the same pt every day with your unit so you can follow that building block plan you you have the company and you say okay 
this is what we're going to do and this is everyone's going to get better great they're also probably in a particular age range uh so it doesn't include us but then the congressional review i think mostly came from the amount of women not being able to do their leg tuck and and things like that well that i don't really have as much sympathy for um it's it's not the gender thing for me it's the size thing especially when we talk about that sled drag you know 90 pounds okay that's not terrible and you still get enough time to do it but you're asking everyone to drag and carry the same amount of weight if they're you know Jane Doe, five foot one, one hundred and five pounds, and Me. Joe Snuffy. Yeah. I can drag a ninety pound sled, no sweat. Yeah, you know, just lean forward and it's gonna start moving. And Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, that that's part of strongman thing. Like big dudes did good on truck pull. Mm-hmm. You're heavier. You're four hundred pounds, Chris. Started leaning forward. It started moving easier than for the other guys. It's it's just physics. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I understand they're like, oh, well, we have these different, they gendered it again. So they used to say, well, it's gender neutral, but now I guess they're coming out with female and male standards versus just time standards based on your job, uh, Mm -hmm. your job specialty, which just make it time standards and weight standards based on your job specialty. Like you don't need to gender it for it to be the same. Well, yeah, if, if this, if the standard is pertinent to the job I need to do, you and I both need to meet that standard. Right. Theor- yeah. Theoretically. It's uh it's getting complicated. I we're in a weird place with all of that stuff and I just I don't know exactly how the ACFT is going to play out in the long run. We've added you know, I don't know. What does it do with people on certain types of physical profiles where they're not allowed to do a certain thing? Can they still do the test but have to do? And so there are some alternates in place, but now we've added another alternate that wasn't previously an alternate. So how many of those are we going to do? Because it's already six events. Uh, So it's six or this one. So it's kind of seven, but then what are the alternates? So then it's like eight or ten you have to remember. It starts dealing with combinations and you get a lot of possibilities. Yeah, there's too many permutations to that to that six you know event test. It's sort of like how you know a a Masters 2 world champion in the women's uh, light heavyweight division. You know, okay, how many options for world champion are there? You know, it's like, it makes sense, but at the same time, you read to me your title again. What what did you do? You yeah. know, there's a lot, a whole lot of administrative details, basically. Yeah, absolutely. it's sort of like powerlifting. I need to squat, bench, and deadlift, and powerlifting. So if I go squat, bench, and dead a couple three days a week, I'm probably going to get okay at powerlifting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw some rows in there for structural balance, maybe some core stuff. Okay, cool. But then you start to get online and research how to get better at squat, bench, and deadlift. And suddenly you've got your dozens and dozens of exercises and positions and all these things you're working in. Sooner or later, you just got to say, hey, in the heart of minimalism, let's break it down. What do I need to do? Squat, bench, and deadlift. Okay, let's work on those. I can absolutely appreciate that sentiment, especially in terms of physical fitness. Because it's so easy to really complicate these things and get lost. And find yourself saying, fuck it. Because I have all these standards, all these options, all these rules that compete with one another. I'm supposed to have low carb and low fat. Apparently, protein's bad for me too. So low protein. What am I supposed to eat? You know, like I've had, I've sat down with people in the gym where they're like, I've heard that this, this, and this are bad for you. And I was like, Well, what else is in food? (laughs) (laughs) You're running out of options, you know. But but again, you start taking in all this information, and you realize this is just cloud in the waters, you know. 
like the, the and the gal I referenced, you know, so we put together this training program and she and they they switched the standards like two weeks into us, you know, working on it. Of course, that's the way that goes. Well, and then she's also twice a week get called to Brooklyn Park for like riot control duty. Mm-hmm. Okay, no pressure, you know, make sure you meet this standard in a month, but also you're not going to be home for three days at a time. Like it's just. Yeah. So the the bigger and the muddier and the cloudier standards like that get, it seems like just harder for the various levels of the troop to figure it out, you know? Yes. Long and short, that, that's exactly it. it. It makes it complicated, and it needs to be simplified really for the troops, but also, I mean, it's for the troops. It's It's the folks who have to put on the event. It's the folks who have to do the event. It's for the administrative tasks surrounding the event. And I'm not saying don't, you know, update to a more combat fitness test versus just a physical fitness test. But this wasn't the way to do it. It's too costly. It's too bloated. There's no reason for that. But who am I? I'm just... Same. Who the hell am I? Yeah. I'm just going to do it and help, help my troops get better at doing it. And that's all I can do, really. What's the phrase they call the tune? We all dance to it. They, whoever calls the tune is the one that calls the tune and you just got to dance to it. Yeah. It might be from a mob movie or something. <laughs> I don't know. How long have you been training to fight? So I really got started mm, when I got back from my first deployment, which was spring of 2012. So how long have you been in the military then? Since 2010. Yeah. So I enlisted in 2010, went through initial entry training. And that was actually when I was in advanced individual training at Fort Meade, Maryland, is when I first kind of got my real taste of martial arts. Um, so my AIT was unique in that I'm, I'm training for public affairs. And at the time, it was broadcast public affairs. So I was learning how to shoot video, edit video, things like that. My team, we were working on projects, said, all right, you pick a location. And I found this place called Ground Control Academy like okay that's cool that might be a good place for us to you know shoot something and so we call them up they say yeah come on in we and uh we're working on our project there and I'm like this gym is kind of cool uh so actually that like the next weekend a girlfriend and I we had we were able to go have a weekend off and we drove over to the gym and had a, a lesson in Muay Thai and that was really cool and and we did a lot of combatives when I was at AIT as well. So those two things really kind of got me started. And then so. Tell me what AIT stands for. Advanced Individual Training. I knew it, oh. but for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I had said it already, but no. we'll, we'll make sure that everyone So knows. the military experience did influence your interest in fighting then? Absolutely. Started. I, for me, the, the military and my fight career are absolutely linked. Um yeah, they, they absolutely have run parallel to each other, which is it's kind of cool. So your first thing was Muay Thai. When did you start grappling stuff? So, I mean, I guess because combatives was mostly us grappling anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, but I wanted to grapple as a kid, but my mom wouldn't let me. So then once I became an adult, I was like, oh, sweet. Um, so after advancing, <laughs> Shit, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. yeah. I make adult decisions Stop now. Stop me now, mom. That's right. <laughs> and, um, 
So then after AIT, I come back, I get to my unit, I'm looking at stuff, and find out a lot of folks had already mobilized. They've gone and they're headed overseas. Well, they wanted to make an augmentee company, and I got on that. And so, let's see, I came home in May, September. I was on my first deployment. So little private first class Williams was going overseas, and the base I was stationed on, stationed on Air John Kuwait, uh, had a little Nogi grappling club. And so I was like, I'm in. So anytime I wasn't working or embedded at a different camp, I would go try and learn something there. And it was awesome. You had all kinds. You had blue belts, brown belts. I didn't know. We were all just like in shorts and t-shirts. But I remember having my first experience grappling with a black belt. And it was so amazing. He was, a, I believe, a captain in the Air Force, but he was always just in his PTs. And I remember just how striking it was so smooth. Like I knew I wasn't the smooth one, but in spite of that, he yeah. could just keep it cool. And I was like, this is amazing. I want to be that, you know? It is different. It's amazing. With, yeah. Like I rolled this weekend with Kelly Johnson again. Mm -hmm. And it, it is a weird deceiving thing. Like you almost feel like you're doing jujitsu. <laughs> Kelly is doing jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I just am there. But it is a weird thing to move with someone who can move. Yes. Yes. And so that was striking. And especially being so young as I was, you know, 21, 22, um, I've always had that, like, I want to be that what shit I admire. And I admired that. So still working on it. You're getting close, though. I mean, cl definitely closer than I was then. <laughs> yeah, That's for sure. For sure. Where, where was that? Where, where were you? Uh, geographically for that Kuwait oh. a tiny you little that, country yeah yep you started training for fighting in Kuwait that sounds pretty well, badass I start, if you, I, if so you end the sentence there it sounds pretty freaking badass yeah <laughs> this last time because I've been to Kuwait twice now mm. well actually after the first time there was a guy he I want to say he trained at ACA Fargo so he kind of knew about the area. And I was like, well, I'm in the Minnesota Guard. I'm around this area. He turned me on to the the academy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's where I did all of my MMA training. When I came home, I checked out the school. I was like, this is going to work. And I didn't realize I'd already had a connection to the academy because my brother had been doing some fight training and had kind of been around some of the folks and that have come and gone and wound sure. up at the academy for a short while. I was like, oh, well, look at that small world. But it's probably for the best that like he wasn't there when I got there. It's almost like high school. He graduated right before I got right. to school. You know, you don't <laughs> want to be in your, in your sibling shadow. <laughs> it's like forging your, your own path by your brother at the gym. Yeah, no, thanks. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was great. So then I started there and then, here, 2018, I head over to Kuwait again. And this time I was a purple belt and I get back into, it was essentially the same club. It had evolved, shifted from one gym to another, but it was still there. And this time I got to do more of the teaching role. And it was just interesting how it kind of came. It was like know. a checkpoint. Yeah. A couple of years later, come back and yeah. sort of illuminates where you've gotten to. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. 
it was fun. But if I never go back to Kuwait, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. In some yeah. regard, yeah. <laughs> When's the first time you competed in fighting? So in MMA, sure. I want to say my first fight was 2014. So just a couple of years, huh? Yeah, it was, well, yeah. So I started doing the grappling thing kind of 11, 12. And then after I came home from that deployment, I was mostly Thai boxing. And then the Minnesota National Guard still had a pretty avid combatives team. And we had a lot of folks who were qualified and we would do in-state tournaments. So when I wanted to compete in the in-state tournament was when I first started putting on a gi because it's closest to a basic combat, uh, basic combatives tournament is pretty much just grappling and we wear uniforms. So it just made sense because the translation was so close. So yeah, it was winter of, you know, 2012, 13, I started putting on a gi and then between, you know, 2013, 2014, just competing in little local tournaments, tie boxing, things like that, kickboxing, finding opportunities. That's when we're like, oh, and then there's mixed martial arts? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So it was a good time. Tell me your record. Uh, overall, well, so I went 6-0 and as an amateur, and then as a pro I was 2-3. and you got me beat. I don't even want to talk about my record. Oh yeah. Have, well, so the Failure real question is, it wasn't was not not what's your record, but how many fights do you have? It's a failure to show. Okay. The, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a post podcast recording theme is being badgered for thirty minutes about how I should compete in jujitsu. Well, do you feel which like I'm now inviting because there she goes right there. Well, how do you feel like? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing though. Is I I know. Um, I don't know if I should mention her name, but there's there's someone that I know, very high level jujitsu practitioner, went most of their their career not competing, but then uh, I believe it was Brown Belt did a, a nogi tournament just to be able to say, you know what, I competed, and that's a high level of competition as sure. well, right. and uh, just realize it wasn't something that they had the passion for. Sure. And that's, you know, that's totally fine. That yeah. might be the case for some. It differentiates in my head, not just specifically for jujitsu, but for anything like going and dili diligently with passion doing a thing and then doing it for the sake of performing on a specific day in specific circumstances. It seems like two different amounts or levels of pressure. Yes. You're either into it or you're not. It seems like. I feel like I've very much um, started to differentiate that more since I've uh, allowed myself to walk away from competition. Like, you know, putting it in my head like, okay, I'm having this hard breakup with MMA. Sure. Uh, that was more difficult. Jiu-Jitsu seems like something, okay, I can, I can circle back to it. I can still live my whole life. And, and but I can circle back to jujitsu when it works for me. I am not reliant on having to sacrifice all of my time and all of my day to maybe have an opportunity to make money. And sure. that that was a, I mean that's huge. It's kind of a weight off your shoulders. But like I said, it was a hard breakup where like you know it's healthy for you <laughs> if you say goodbye, but doggone it, you just don't want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to miss getting punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it does seem to be a sensible differentiation between jujitsu and like actual fighting too. Like you could decide to do a jujitsu tournament next month and go and compete and do okay. Yeah. The risks and whatnot seem a lot different than taking a kick to the temple. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the, that skill set needs to yeah. be sharp. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. Archer. Archer. <laughs> Come on back down, buddy. <laughs> He's getting squirrely. Oh, maybe. I'm going to fill up this guy's water. Do you need anything to drink? I'm okay, thank you. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people who listen to this and know Archer. He says hi. He's just getting a little squirrely. <laughs> you heard movement upstairs. Yeah. Trying to decide if I use this as an actual pause. Yeah. And I remember watching this video over and over, like multiple times, because someone had shared it. I was like, there's no way this wasn't just someone just doing that because it's, you know, just, just for the views. What was it? So... I guess there was one video, they they did the mashup of like someone actually doing something really slick and then someone trying to do that slick thing and making an ass out of themselves doing it. Someone had a blindfold on, he's working with his, uh, It was, I think it was just movement with a weight on a either chain or a, you know, something like that, right? So blindfolded, trying to work my head movement, my bobs, my weaves, cool. And then <laughs> there's this next video and this broad's got a weight like a plate weight tied up and it's swinging and she's got a blindfold on. She's got her gloves on and she just like gives it a push and then just like three little swipes and then it hits her in the head and she's like, and then it cuts. It's like the Pinterest in real life. Yeah. You ever see those like here was this great cabinet I found on Pinterest and then I built it and it looks like shit. (laughs) Same kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, this was bullshit. Because I watched it so many times. I'm like, what is she doing with her arms? There's no way she didn't just plan to get hit in the head. Yeah. And it well, could have been a fake weight, too. I don't know. And she got you to watch it a few times, so it worked. Yeah, yeah, it did, but... It's Jake Paul's world, you know? Yeah. Jake and Logan effect. This is a bunch of bullshit, but we're all watching. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't pay for that last pay-per-view with no. Mayweather. I wouldn't. Why would Definitely not. The, n- the next day I saw a clip of a, a bit of the round, of one of the rounds, and I looked, it was round one, and he it did what you're doing, it yeah. looked like gorilla punching. Yeah, yeah. It was like, that was the first few minutes of round one. Oh my gosh. I would assume they got together before the fight, and he was like, all right, I'm going to glove up here, you know, high guard or whatever you call it, and you just swing away and have some fun, and it'll get people excited, and we'll all make millions. Yeah, it's it's we're in a weird world where <laughs> we keep rewarding the worst, mm-hmm. and, and the WWE is infiltrating everything else, mm-hmm. where you're loud and deliberately shocking, and the heel wins, and that's who you like more and more, and so then everybody else is starting to do it bring the theatrics and the bullshit into it yeah but also i think culturally we we've like the idea of 
the villain as the the guy to root for or maybe not root we all want them to be an anti-hero now and it's really no they're just a villain like let's be real joker cinematically was it was amazing joker, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, cinematically it was great but then people are like oh it was a good origin story i was like wait a second he's got this thing that says i'm sorry i have a condition they never tell you why or how he got that condition sure. was Fair he enough. born with it was he abused as a child sure, and developed sure. it they never answer that question yeah. is there another bad guy behind this bad guy etc cetera, etc cetera. and now we're getting cruella cruella wanted to murder puppies do we cruella? remember that they're Cruella. making Cruella? Yeah. Yeah. Cruella's right. about to be a, a live action movie. Gross. Thank, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? The, the, that's the problem when you water down. <laughs> Polly's like, oh, Jesus. That's the problem when you, when you water down like all those old fairy tales that when you read the originals, they're fucking terrifying. Because, mm-hmm. hey, don't go in the woods, you dumb shit. There's critters back there. <laughs> and then you make them pretty and fluffy for disney and then they come back around and try to add an edge but the point gets missed yes missing the point yep they're making a cruella cruella yeah i think it's coming out real soon she wanted to kill the puppies that was right she wanted to kill the puppies but uh, i guess we're just ignoring all of that so that she can have an origin story about how a dalmatian killed her parents is that what it is? Something like that. Oh, yeah. oh I, didn't, yeah, I didn't even know that she wanted Killed to kill her puppies. parents. But only because like was rocking it, an AK and like a, pushed them over a cliff because they belong to this other lady who's her nemesis. So Cruella's ne- nemesis oh, this is owned ridiculous. Dalmatians and sick the, uh, the Dalmatians knocked her parents over. It's no one, it, people planned on seeing the movie. Sorry for the spoilers. <laughs> it's fine. out there. You can it's watch fine. it. Yeah, no one's listening to this anyway. So. <laughs> That's why I just stick with Sopranos. They don't celebrate the bad guys at all. It's just all. Oh, I'm surprised I haven't watched this. I love that gangster might movies. Be are my one favorite. of the really early. Let's make it hard to hate the bad guy, like really big time shows, because he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And they play that music just right and all that stuff. You know, there's yeah. two two of the three people here are Sopranos experts. So. Okay, but uh, I mean, the early show. Yeah, I think all all mafia movies though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Your piece like of shit. Ma- Michael Corleone was like a fucking superhero though in the movie. Yeah, yeah. If you muddled down the definition of superhero, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. They did, and that's and with the Sopranos. They really did. It really did kind of start with him being a victim of circumstance, but then it goes full embrace circumstance. Mm. Oh, and by the end of it, he's a piece of shit, but you loved him. <laughs> Damn it. She's right, dude. It's a weird time. A Say weird the time. following sentence on record. Ready? In the Army Now is the best Army movie. <laughs> you really put me on the spot, Say man. Say it. I, I, mm. Is it hot and Chad? Did you ever see In the Army Now? Uh, if I did, it was a long time ago that's when anybody else would have seen it yeah yeah tell me about army movies let's talk army movies army movies yeah so it's interesting because i've recently had a discussion about army movies and a lot of the modern ones i haven't really watched i think the last one i watched was platoon you know it's an older (laughs) one right she's saying modern i'm like yeah last 10 years oh last 30 years no that was the last one i watched but like when it comes to 
things like I haven't seen Jarhead yet, but I'm reading the book. I'm almost done with the book. It's I been never saw that one either. Hard. Yeah. So that and like Generation Kill. Uh, Generation Kill. So that's that's an HBO series actually, but oh, that was something huh. someone. The the discussion was that that or those are probably the most modern representations we're gonna get of of warfare that we've seen, hmm. um, circa this generation and, and even now, like folks who are in the army, there are very very few left who are serving. You know, Gulf like ninety one. Yeah. You know, um, but it's. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, army movies. I find them hard to, to get into and watch personally. Um, even though I haven't seen, you know, all the hard charging combat stuff, it's just, it, it's still raw and real. Even getting through Jarhead, it should be a quicker, simpler read, but I find it like, more difficult to pick up because sure. the way Swafford writes is so visceral and so real. And that's how I felt about uh, the short timers, uh, which is the book that Full Metal Jacket is based off. But that is one was isn't it based off? Wasn't something called Dispatches? Mm, it's called the Short Timers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had it. Had I knew it was based off a book. I had book swapped. Apparently, in my head. apparently, it's really hard to find. So if you yeah. can find a copy, hmm. yeah, it. I had, a, I had a buddy that was yeah. uh, his tour in Iraq, I think, and had legitimate injuries related to combat experiences. And I forget what movie came up, and he was like, "I don't watch those," mm-hmm. which is kind of why actually I ask people now because they give you generally the flat, straight-out answer, and it's just sort of an interesting, like, "Good, good for you." Probably yeah. lay lay a boundary there, you know. Yeah, yeah. The egg, it's just. Hard to watch. I don't. I also have a, a friend who is a really high level competitive bowler, and he refused to watch bowling movies. Maybe it's you never saw Big Lebowski. And he, so yeah, Kingpin? Big Lebowski and Kingpin. I'm like, y- you don't know what is missing from your life because you're going to be a snob about technique. You <sighs> loser. Watch the movie. Certainly a different, uh, different reason for boundary. But well, also know that like the uh, there are new movies coming out that have MMA as the focus. There's one coming out that they've been advertising for a while on some of the UFC shows. I'm like, this movie's gonna be terrible. Yes. Even uh, that Mortal Kombat movie that recently came out. <laughs> Which the we main just character, about. the new yeah. guy. Yesterday. Really? Yeah, it came up yesterday. Oh, did it? <laughs> What did you guys say about it yesterday? Not, well, no, none of us had seen it. it. Yeah. We just heard it was terrible. So nobody, I didn't even know they had made it, but everybody was like, it's going to be really bad, apparently. Well, it's a money grab, right? It's a nostalgia probably. thing. A bunch well, of 90s kids want to see the movie again. I don't know. I think uh, Sub Zero's contracted for five more. So it's happening. But this new character. Five more movies? think so like you're make a run of it a series of it i believe so that's that's what i heard so we'll see but apparently this guy's like a big martial arts movie guy i don't know my coworker told me that stuff but <laughs> yeah that's interesting but yeah no the the new character they made up for the movie he's this like mma fighter or kind of washed up. I don't know what his status was supposed to be, but then he takes a short notice fight for like 200 or 500 bucks and he's got a wife and a um, like adolescent daughter. Like 
all right, you've either got a breadwinner wife and they super love you, but I'm like, you're dad, man of the house, and you're fighting for peanuts off a whim. <laughs> what is this world that you're expecting me to believe? Because no, yeah. no, I live in the real world where, oh, God. Well, but it's that, it's that thing where every movie you watch, like I'm a big horror movie fan. Mm. So the setup for like paranormal activity and all these is, is this young couple thinking of having a kid and they, they move to a better, nicer neighborhood and they're both home 90% of the day. And he like is a videographer at some point in the plot line. They never <laughs> show it. And she does something. They never mention that, but they live in like a 6,000 square foot house. You know, <laughs> movies are bullshit. You're just like, what in the hell? What do these people do for a living? They live in California in a 6,000 square foot house. You know how much that would be? They haven't been, to, they haven't, literally gone to work in three weeks in this movie they're just <laughs> videotaping shadows in their house you know it's ridiculous it's also a movie calm down uh, it's funny i'm willing to suspend disbelief you know when it makes sense but if you're trying to really sell me on something just give me something real to hold on to yeah i, I think like when <clears throat> i'm talking like sports movies or like mma they're not made to cater to the small group of like people who actually like really like that sport or that it's catered to like please the masses. So that's why it sucks, right? Like most hockey movies, except Youngblood. <laughs> but most hockey movies suck, you know? Okay. But like people love them. Well, but see, but now we're doing what my bowling buddy's doing. He's like, I'm not going to watch this because the bowling parts are dumb. Yeah, but I'll still watch them. I yeah. don't know though, because <laughs> Big Lebowski's exempt. I don't even care. For yeah. sure, it's a great movie. I would suggest though, like any given Sunday was a great movie. You could be an NFL fan. Like, oh, yeah. I suppose I'm not. I mean, I don't know much. I'm not a. That's a fun movie fan, for sure. But yeah, yeah, I like that movie for sure. Yeah. Um, but then again, I'm not like a big football fan, so I'm like people okay. that try, probably yeah. trying to. I don't drink beer, Tony. No, I bet you don't. <laughs> so many random movie lines in my Actually, head. when I would, you know, prep for a competition or a fighter, I really had to get amped up. I would go to that locker room scene. Al Pacino just delivers yeah. them. The inches speech, yeah. Yes, game of inches. The whole soundtrack was a baller oh, for, for getting the adrenaline going. I owned the soundtrack on CD back in the day. Yeah. Uh, did you see the movie Jiu-Jitsu? I didn't see. <laughs> I heard about it. Uh, is it, is it out? Is it real now? Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. What could you tell me about Bro. it? Bro. <laughs> uh. That's the Nicolas Cage? Oh, man. I have a se <laughs> severe Nick Cage allergy anyhow. <laughs> and my girlfriend was like, no, let's watch it. It's called Jujitsu. I'm like, yeah, but you uh, haven't heard what I've heard, you know. Oh, she's so nice. There was like one or two. There, there was like one thing where they, you could tell that the editor did like the fast choppy cut thing you know of the fight scene mm -hmm. which like if a punch gets thrown and then another punch gets thrown that works but your boy like swung around for an arm bar and then they did a quick cut and he's just on the other side of the body all of a sudden mm. you know just oof. and that was like the extent of the jujitsu in the movie jujitsu it, it yeah so like yeah this jujitsu is like this mystical power of the universe Oh man, it's brutal. Plus, it's Nick Cage. Like that comes with a certain amount of brutality, no yeah. matter what. But it was it was really challenging to. What were they thinking? Not even from like I'm not even being a martial arts snob. I don't know shit about martial arts. Sure. Right, but I'm watching this movie and I'm going, this is not good. <clears throat> it was brutal. 
I mean, definitely watch it. You know, blaze one, drink one, whatever your thing is, and and have a good time with some friends. Do the riff tracks thing and just roast oh, it the okay. whole time. They're supposed. That would to be the only way I could do it. I think. Because the one you were talking about, it were you talking about that Sean Patrick Flannery, one that just came out? Which the the Born a Champion? I'm looking it up right oh, now. Oh, no. No, I don't know what that is. Sean Patrick. It, 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 I remember the name. Yeah, it was supposed to be like they do real jujitsu and they fight good in it, that kind of deal. Well, I think he, I think he might be, like he actually is a, like a jujitsu practitioner. Well, Hegan Machado is in jujitsu. He was one of like the, oh, little, really? the little crew that's cruising around saving the world or whatever. Oh my God. But it just looks like a portly grandpa in weird clothes in the background, you know. <laughs> made some money good for I'm, him yeah, good for him exactly yeah. but it was also just sort of ah uh, bruh what are you doing he probably wasn't around when they made the final they were doing all the editing <laughs> i doubt he and machado was chilling in the editing bay no he would have i'm sure he would have hated it dude it's so bad uh, i think i want i want this conversation to move on it was so upsetting oh boy <laughs> that's bad i don't know I'm trying to think of other sports movies I've watched, but oh, you know what? There was one that I got into. I think it was Warrior. Was it Tom Hardy was in that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Nick Nolte. That was based on a true story, though, wasn't it? Nick Nolte was in there. It's my yeah, boy. Was, I love me some Nick dad. Nolte. Like, yeah. Have you seen that movie? No. no Although I never movie. finished Cinderella Man, and I really want to because that was a great movie. From what I saw of it. Yeah. Never watched Million Dollar Baby though, but I know how that ended. I was like, I heard how that ended, and I didn't bother watching it. Yeah, <laughs> just because, like, damn, really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> you know. Uh, don't say it. I feel like you can do well. I don't know. I was like, maybe you can do more with boxing movies because when you look at Cinderella Man, you can do this whole more of a story arc. But I remember laughing a lot at this SNL bit where what's her name comes on weekend update and she plays like every boxer's girlfriend ever from every movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was, it's actually pretty funny. Cause I was like, ah, it's just the same, yep. same drama that a boxer's wife goes through. It's pretty funny. I like the, the Mickey Ward one. I think it's just called the fighter with Mark Wahlberg and, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. I did see that one. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I saw that. Boxing movies tend to be, it's like, it's about boxing, but it's also about how they want you to feel really depressed when you leave the movie theater. Like, this is about to be some sad shit. Mm. Like, I watched The Wrestler again the other day. Bro. I just put that on my watch list. Super, super depressing. It's a great movie, I think, you know, for what it is. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's got a shining bright spot in it that we don't need to get into, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, just the way it ends, you're like, well, that's life, you know? I think I was in a zone because I was finally watching movies on my watch list because I had time. And <laughs> Boogie Nights was on there, so I'm like, I need to see people doing their thing and crashing hard in the process. Mm-hmm. So I put The Wrestler on my yeah, watch list. He's right on that same brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Oh, man. Maybe I'll watch that on the plane. What's the best sports movie ever? Ooh. Open question for the table. I mean, it's Little Giants, but go ahead and say whatever the fuck <laughs> you want. People are going to get sick of hearing me say Youngblood. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing you say Youngblood. Youngblood didn't have uh, Rick Moranis and uh, Al Bundy. I just had his name in my head. 
Oh. Up oh, in there. Um, Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu like guy. Black, See that? Brought it around yeah. to the brand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I don't know. I haven't seen all the sports movies, but I feel like I should just represent, say, maybe a league of their own. Dude, so good. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching Gina it. Davis, though, too. Yeah. So, yeah. this is a true story. My brother went and played junior hockey after high school down in Florida with his best buddy, and they were in Jacksonville, Florida. So these are 18-year-old kids thinking they're hilarious, and some of the local kids were having them sign autographs, and my brother's buddy signed it, avoid the clap, and then signed his name. <laughs> you remember that from <laughs> Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't go over well no no <laughs> i mean now it does <laughs> best all your best stories are things that didn't go over well what's the name of the of kit what's that actress's name in that movie yeah i forget what laurie petty laurie petty because so. she was in the army now no oh uh, really yeah. she was the hard, she it. was the she was the the lindsey williams character the hardcore chick Smacking oh. him upside the head. Like I have to fact check I'm myself about here. That. Please do. That's so funny. Even at work now, I always describe myself as like, I'm the asshole. Sorry. Like, there are rules and regulations, and I want to do favors for no reason. I don't know. I work in a marketing office for the recruiting and retention battalion now, and you get some folks who just get real uppity about like i have a request for something and i want it and then you have other people <laughs> who take for like they don't plan they'll be like oh i need this really short notice and, like you've known about this for yeah. two months when you t- put in a request two months ago it's type thing and that's where i get real butt-holy about it but <laughs> but <holy. laughs> but my boss he's like hey all right keep the wheels turning at the same time yeah yeah were you right Polly? Was yeah, Larry Look Petty. At you. Nice job, nice job. It's also in Point Break. And Orange is the New Black. Oh really? Yeah, in those later seasons where it gets all convoluted and weird, you know, just like every other show. Yeah, I stopped with that show. Let me tell you. Two seasons? What did you make it? Two seasons? Uh, two, maybe. I think I got into three, but I didn't. I think it. after two, this book was done. Like it was based on the book up through like two seasons or something like that. Yeah. That's your cue to jump. Yeah. What were you going to say? So it's funny how sometimes I, I wonder about like people's loyalty to a show or their investment into watching or listening to something. And I'll never forget the epitome of just being like, fuck it. So I always had kind of this mixed thing with American Horror Story. It has different seasons, different arcs, and some Mm. are more compelling than others. Then I was watching one. can't remember which one. Hotel. And I didn't love it, but I was like, I'm kind of into it. Okay. So I'm watching. It was the one where Lady Gaga was in there. I was like, oh, "Oh, this is interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching, and I'm watching, and then I'm on the last episode. And I think there was maybe 20-some minutes left in the last episode, or it was 20-some minutes in, one of the two. And something happened where I just said, no. (laughs) No, I'm done. I turned it off. I never went back. 
last episode, I just can't. It <laughs> was a, a nope. <laughs> a jump the shark moment where you're like, this is just too stupid. And I don't even know if it was that bad. Mm. I think it was just me just finally just saying, mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. TV shows are like an abusive relationship. They'll slowly <laughs> devolve and, and and things slip through and things normalize. And if you don't kind of step back, maybe miss a few episodes or a season and jump back in and kind of go, is this what I've been putting up with? You know, like a Grey's Anatomy, I think is probably everybody's best example of that. Okay. First one or two seasons is just like young people trying to make it through an internship and now they're new residents, you know, in their hospital. Cool. The grind of life, you know, some relationships or whatever. That shit is batshit crazy now, I think, <laughs> to my to what people have told me. I, you know, that's still a show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. First of all, that show. is still on, you know, like I'm not even married to the gal that made me watch that shit anymore. That's how long <laughs> that show has you know. Like it's good enough for a couple and then after like three, four seasons you're like, Okay, whatever. That's why it's good when shows end at like four to six seasons. At least now I know what Grey's Anatomy was about. I never knew. Yeah. I have no idea. It started as kind of just like a fun sort of unique or watch this group of interns go in and fuck things up and blah, blah, blah. But it always devolves to just weird love life stuff. You know, TV's garbage most of the time. Mm -hmm. I never got into American Horror Story despite being a horror fanatic Mm -hmm. because I don't think it uh, is a genre that lands well in a series that's interesting i think well and i think that's where it chooses to do an arc for each season like plays well towards it but ooh, some of them are just woof like they (laughs) just the writing and the stories and the way they interplay the characters it's just like weird black mirror shit where you're like is this the show yeah like black mirror is way better but the yeah. American or the haunting of Hill House mm. was a series and every episode of season one, I was like, damn, this is good. Plus it had the kid from E.T. Elliot was up in there. You know, it was like interesting actors you've seen from other stuff over the years and they really nailed it. And I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, Walking Dead was just its own unique pile of garbage. And I'm <laughs> wrong about the genre working as a series. And then the second season came out and I was like, see what you tried to do here, but we're done. Mm-hmm. It's just, this was terrible. Yeah. They even did like an old school classic trope where they took the same actors and arguably the same characters and just put them in like a parallel plot line, like a, use them just in a different, like they rewrote the show, which is a cool thing. Like Rob Zombie does that where he's got the same rough characters kind of loosely connected, you know, except for the Halloween stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, nope, out, garbage, not doing this. Uh, Again, it's an abusive relationship. You got to recognize when they've jumped the shark and move on. People don't want to do that. It's weird. That's what I mean. Like people have these weird loyalties, and for why and to what? What are you doing? Why? I don't know. Like uh, hastily thrown together crappy local jujitsu podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because. If I can bring it back to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our first act, this analysis of, of loyalties and, and, you know, just commitments, I suppose it's, it's been a big theme for a while, especially like moving into the pandemic, moving through the pandemic and, and into, you know, picking a career path 
and walking away, you know, having that hard breakup with MMA. I, I think from choosing the military was not just the security of the paycheck and all the amazing opportunities I've had, you know, I've gone around the world with the military and it's not to say that can't happen with MMA, but it's a different sort of sacrifice. Um, and, and it's asking a lot of you for potential reward. And I'm like, well, I'm at a point where like at 30 years old, I didn't want a potential reward. I wanted a guaranteed, you know, transaction, but the people too, uh, the people kind of keep me around. This organization has been very, very good to me. And I appreciate that. And honestly, it, it, even while I was fighting, I was still part-time in the military. I was in the national guard and it felt like my way of giving back my way of being, you know, my, my attachment to the blue collar sector of society to do something. Cause it's hard not to admire the people that can get up, go to work every day that make the country run. And mm. those are important people and it's easy to forget about them when we're all in our little bubbles, but our little cubes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd hate to have to office space for the rest of my life, but I can do something that I think is worthwhile. Yeah. So yeah, being a fighter, it was, it's amazing. And if it fulfills you, absolutely. But, you know, analyze how much do we have to offer the world? What do you have to offer? And I think it was more than just like the selfish part of me. Sure. You know, so hopefully I can try and combine that military effort and the martial arts effort and share that and get that out in the world. Teach combatives. Yeah. Civilian combatives. Ooh, you know what? I know someone that was part of the Minnesota National Guard and... He's, well, he's a police officer, but, you know, he's got this whole combatives program that he works with other outlets. So, you know, maybe there's a future for me somewhere, somewhere around here. Nice. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about? Anything? <sighs> uh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.